Hey, High Point Church. My name is Jason Hubbard, part of the leadership team. It's so great to be with you. We are continuing our series in 1 Corinthians 13, which has really been an amazing series. Um, I'm going to give it a shot with this title, but it's long and impossibly difficult. I'm just saying. It's what to do with the impossibly difficult, overwhelming problem of people. Now, we know um, that relationships can be hard. We all recognize that, um, you know, yeah, sometimes impossibly difficult um, because when people are involved. But we also recognize that as Christ followers, we are called um, as part of the kingdom to walk in unity and to walk in love. That's what 1 Corinthians is all about. Andy and Amy have done an amazing job kind of giving us um, an understanding into the culture, into what was happening in the church. Um, they, they kind of sh- have given us the, the why behind the writing. Why did Paul write this letter to, to the church of Corinth? Because we know they needed it. They, there were some big things going on in the church that Paul needed to address, to really set right, and to set standards of, hey, here is how we live life together. Okay, so I'm not going to go into the details behind that. Um, If you're just new, if you're new, first time watching um, with us or haven't caught the First Corinthians series, go back and listen um, to some of these. It's been amazing. In general, I I find, and I think you will agree, in general, I know what love is and what love is not. I know the difference in general between right and wrong. And I think we do as, as, as a people, especially if you've grown up in the church, but even not culturally, we in general know what is right and what is not right, what love is and what love is not. You know, we just have to look around us. We know when somebody's being mistreated and that it's not right. We know that. We see it. We can point it out. Yes. Um, We know when a wrong is being done, and it's in those moments where, you know, we have to choose, do we step into that or not? But we we can see it. We can recognize it. Um, We just have to look around. We know when when a, a relationship has gone bad. We know if somebody, you know, is just being petty or is is harboring hostility and bitterness. We see it. It's easy to recognize. Recently, I have been nominated to the HOA in my community, Aberdeen community, and I was then elected reluctantly as the president of the HOA. I know it's a big title. I've got a lot of power. Everybody's recognizing I've got this big head now, but... um, I, we ju- I got to jump into the middle of a bit of a mess. The last board that was there, and I don't know the, the details, but what I do know is that, that the community, a group in the community, tried to have that board re- removed, forcibly removed, because they were upset with them. So you can imagine, in a community of 400 homes, the drama that has been taking place, the gossip, the backbiting, sometimes slander, you know, uh, the complaints. I mean, it's endless. So I, I, I walk right into this. I mean, I'm just set up. And yes, 
my wife had a little something to do with, with that setup. <laughs> I think she nominated me. <laughs> um, but I've come into this and I'm happy to serve. It, it is a great opportunity to, you know, make the community better. But the, the point is, is that it's obvious what is right and what is wrong. And now, a couple days ago, I had my second meeting with the community. And these are on Zoom, so that's, that's in my favor. But I, I get on, and, and we, we're going to give people an opportunity to speak. That's dangerous. Um, luckily, on Zoom, you can mute people or set time limits. But I had to go into there strategically thinking, we need some guidelines as a community on how to treat each other as neighbors. Like, let's not slander each other in this meeting. Let's not make accusations, even if, they're, even if it's, it's true. Let's try to speak with, with positivity. Let's talk about what we could be doing, not what people have done. I mean, I made a list, and I went through these things in this meeting to try to set up the, the, our community and this discussion for success. That is what Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians. He's setting a standard for these for these church members on how to live their life. He's making it clear, you can do this, but don't do this. You know, this is what love looks like. And again, we can recognize it easily. We know what love is, and we know what love is not. We know that love is self-sacrificing. We know that love builds other people up. We know that love extends forgiveness. We know, we know that love um, is, an, is a exhibition, maybe, of the fruits of the Spirit. That it's full of joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. That is what love is. We can recognize love, and we can recognize what is not love very easily. We also can deceive ourselves when it comes to our, our own self. We can recognize this in others, no problem. But when it comes to ourselves, we often can deceive what our actions and our thoughts and our, and our, our heart's intention. Love is not telling untruths or stirring up conflict. Love is not lashing out at others on social media or trying to pull others down. Love doesn't stew over wrongs. It does not hate or disparage those around us. Love doesn't, you know, get angry or you know, be, be in conflict with others just because they're part of a different political party or maybe because they're, they're part of a different religion or race. That's not love. We know that. We can point these things out. The scripture here, where we're going to get into in a minute, talks about love, that love does not fly off the handle. It's not angry. That it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Um, that it doesn't keep score of other people's sins. We know these things are not love. To drive this home, Paul compares and contrasts back and forth what love is and what love is not. We're going to pick up today in 1 Corinthians verse 5. But first I'm going to read verse 4. Verse 4 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is it, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. That's where Amy left off. 
Today we're going to look at, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrong. Some translations, when talking about, um, when looking at this scripture in 1 Corinthians, the, they use the word charity instead of love. And I looked up why, this definition. Why the word charity? Well, in Christian thought, charity was the highest form of love. It signified the reciprocal love between God and man. And and, and it kind of had this connotation that, that not just it's the love between God and man, but it's the outflowing of that love in an unselfish way to the people around us. I love that. That that is the highest form of love. Here in verse 5b, it says that it is not easily angered. That that, that word easily sticks out to me. That anger is okay. We, We all feel angry sometimes. And anger sometimes has a righteous um, expression where we're angry about somebody, something that's been done wrong or an injustice over here. And that can even be something God uses and stirs up in us to, to take action. But it, it, it doesn't fly off the handle. It's not easily angered. It's regulated. It's kept in check. It's something that, that um, isn't explosive and come out, uh, come out and, and spew onto others around us. Love, or this idea of Christian charity, will never be angry without cause. It doesn't, doesn't just get mad and angry and, and fester, and you wake up in the morning angry at the world. You go to bed angry at the, the day. That's, that's not Christian charity. That's not love. Anger cannot stay where love is. Anger doesn't rest and settle and, and subside um, where there's Christian charity, where there's love. If anger does, if it stays there, it becomes resentment. And resentment will end up coming out and poison everything around us. For a short time, we can hold in balance, balance anger and love, a righteous anger and a love for the people around us. Um, but when it, it, it is a balance, it's kind of like fire and water. You can have them both present for a time, but then one is going to either squelch the other or burn up, right? You, you can have this tension, but if it, if it stays there, it lingers. It begins to um, do, do a, a bad work in our lives. Resentment, it, the, the scripture says that love, the opposite of resentment, keeps no records of wrong. Where there is love, we don't have this long list of what, how somebody's treated you or how you've been mistreated. Um, Amy and I, in our 20, almost two years of marriage, um, have had, at least in my mind, I'm sure we've had many, many more, at least in my mind, we've had three big fights, okay? One was in our second year of marriage, and I've shared that with, with everybody where we had a week of like, I call it the, the, the cold as ice week because we just did not talk to each other. We lived together, we worked together, we had one car, we drove everywhere together, but we did not talk to each other for a week. Okay, the second one was around year 13, 14, we're living in Australia and 
Um, I don't know what I did. I can't remember what this is about. Isn't that how it is? But there, the, it, it was a big kind of, is in the evening, it's a big, big fight, which we just never have. We don't fight in general. But in my mind now, she denies this. She denies this. But in my mind, there, were, there was some language. And there was something thrown. I'm not saying who did what. I'm just saying. In my mind, that's how I remember the incident. She will deny it and say it never happened. Okay, our third one was more recent. It was since we lived in the U.S. It was right at our 19th anniversary. We all as a family went to Hilton Head, and we were, you know, in my favorite place. We were at the beach. I mean, life couldn't get, be better. But leading up to it, things were really busy. There was some tension going on, and we just didn't resolve it. And over that time in the week, the, the, the list of, of our irritabilities and, you know, kind of frustrations just begin to grow. And it begins to pile up, right? Things just begin to pile up. And it's not one thing. It's all these things, okay? And so we, again, you could, it, it was a little icy, but we were, you know, we, we did vacation. We, we, it was about the kids. We're here for the kids. Um, but we come back, the week's over, and we're celebrating our 19th anniversary. We're going to, to a nice dinner. I think it's at Avalon. And um, we get there, and we're like, okay, we've got to deal with this. It's our anniversary. It's 19 years. And we're just mad at each other, okay? And it's been a week. <laughs> what is going on? Um, so we just, now, even in the moment, I'm thinking about, about this. We just must, like, you know, just hold on to this and just one week deal with our last 10 years of whatever. But uh, <laughs> it's my therapy session. So it, it, we sit down. Instead of going to dinner, we're like, okay, we got to deal with this. We sit down on a park bench. And we hash it out. And there were some tears. There was a lot of, you know, apologizing and asking for forgiveness and reconciliation. It was a beautiful thing. We went to dinner and had a, had a nice dinner. I say all this um, to say resentment can just pile up. And, and we, we can make, you know, a list of things. And that anger begins to, to fester. And we begin to treat each other in a way we would never treat each other otherwise. These are things we have to deal with. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone around you to be holy. So we're, we're, our, our motivation is that we would be in peace and that we would be holy, pure. And then it goes on, verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. That, that's a sermon in itself. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble, which defiles many. I want to talk about that. That bitter root, you know, that can, that can take place in our heart, in our spirit. And, and I mean... All kinds of things can do that for us. Our anger leads to resentment. Offenses that have, that, that we, that have been done and that we take um, can, can cause, can grow and defile many, it says. Um, 
man, and can be, become those irritate, irritations deep in our spirit that we just won't let go of and we hold on to so tightly. How do these bitter roots get started? How does this, how does this happen? Well, for many of us, it's past pains and hurts. Um, it could be disappointments, uh, you, you know, that, that we were hoping for something and over and over again, we find ourselves disappointed at the results and where we're at. Offenses, selfishness, pride goes on and on and on. It's interesting here that in this, this passage, Paul uses an accounting term. He says this, he says, love does not keep a record of wrongs. This is an accounting term that it doesn't have this detailed list of everything that's been wrong, everything that how we've been wronged. It doesn't have that list. It's not an exhaustive tally of all these wrongs. But resentment sure does, right? Resentment, oh man, that keeps a records of wrong. You've got, you've got your notebook, you know, pull it out, you write it down. Okay, that's just another one there. Close it up. You know, later that afternoon, you open your, that notebook, write another one down. And you're just keeping this list of a record of wrongs. That's what resentment kind of looks like. Anger, resentment, irritability. It'll just pile up and, and begin to poison our insides. Begin to poison the way we see and we think. We no longer can see with eyes of love. We can't see what the kingdom is all about. In this environment, love cannot flourish. Um, it can't exist. It can't continue to grow. It is, again, it begins to be dampered down and it begins to, to go out. How does resentment show up in your life? Is it with outbursts of anger? Maybe it's more subtle and it's, it's cutting people down. You know, maybe, maybe resentment in your life is more about gossip. You know, you, you just say a little something about somebody, plant that seed or you, you know, it, it can come out in all kinds of ways. Whatever it is, we know that resentment will poison us. And the scripture says that not only will it poison us, but it will begin to affect everybody around us. Recently, um, I had a friend reach out to me who has been struggling with, with some resentment. Um, some wrongs were done, and he just couldn't let him go. So we talked about it. We talked about what, how, how our faith should, you know, um, shape the way we think about these things and what it asks of us. And we, we discussed what love does in these situations. And he went away. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. Well, a few days later or shortly after, I get a text. And this is part of what the text said. He said, I didn't even realize what was happening. He didn't even realize what was happening inside. I just knew I was emotional, mad, unsettled, and couldn't understand why. Man, so many people are caught in that because they've made a list of wrongs. They've held on to things they should never hold on to. Even legitimate things. A lot, a lot of us have been legitimately wrong, wronged. 
and struggle with things in our life. A lot of us legitimately have had huge disappointments, but God doesn't want us to hold on to these things and allow it to begin to poison our inside. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all sin. That is how the gospel calls us to walk. To walk in love, to not harbor hatred, to not harbor resentment, but to allow the love of Christ to to cover over a multitude of sin and be able to set aside those lists and those things that have kept us from really walking in the purposes of God, in what 1 Corinthians is exhorting us to do. How did Jesus do it? You think about his life. You know, he was betrayed. He, he had, you know, multiple plots against his life. He, some of his closest people, you know, um, rejected him and turned from him. Gosh, how did he walk in this way? He knew the love of God. He trusted God's plan for his life, even when, you know, he was at the point of breaking in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying that God would take this from him. He trusted God's will. He trusted God's plan. And he understood and knew the love that God had for him. As Christ followers, we need to receive the love of God Embrace his ways, the way of love. Release anger. Let the bitterness go. You know, to remove those, those roots. Allow God to pull those things out. You know, don't, don't hold on to them. God's not going to rip them out if you're holding on. Release them. Allow God to, to, to remove these things from our lives. Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed from, for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. It's not supposed to be part of us as Christ followers. Get rid of it. It goes on to say, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just, and here's the key, just as Christ forgave you. The remedy for, for these things is, is not determination, like, oh, I'm going to get rid of all this anger and bitterness and rage, or even just those irritabilities. Let's say you're just, maybe you don't deal with this on a huge level, but you're pretty irritable. You know, there, there's something going on down in there. It's not a determination to get rid of it. It's a releasing to God, recognizing that he loves us that he paid the ultimate price for us, that he has a great plan for us. And his best for us is to walk in love and not walk in anger and bitterness, not for us to be keeping a record of wrong. Anger, bitterness, resentment, these things will hold us back from God's best. It'll poison us deep down inside of us. I'm going to ask you to do this. In your, in your mind's eye, if we were in church, I'd have you close your eyes, but just, just think. Whatever list you have, whatever's holding you back from walking in the fullness of what God has, I want you to 
in your mind, physically take that and set it aside. Just put it aside and say, God, this is yours. I don't know how to get rid of it. I don't know what to do with it, but I'm trusting you. I'm asking you to, to move in this area of my life and remove that from me so that I can walk in your fullness and so that I can really see the people around me. I'm going to read John 3, 16 and 17, and then we're going to pray. John 3, 16 says this. Everybody knows it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. No, but to save the world through him. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your love. God, you have called us to walk in a different way. God, you have called us to pursue righteousness, peace, and love. God, you have called us to, to put aside our anger, our re resentment and bitterness, and to embrace a better way. Help us do that in Jesus' name, amen.